0: Tonight, Titus chapter 1, we'll get a little intro into this man, Titus, as well as the book. Let's read the first four verses. Paul, a doulos, bondservant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness In hope of eternal life, which God, notice, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time revealed or manifest His Word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandments of God our Savior, to Titus, a true son, in our common faith, grace and mercy, peace from God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in the lives of your people all through this nation. We pray for the churches in California who are being uh, prohibited from meeting. And Lord, I know several pastors that will be meeting on Sunday. So Lord, that you would just grant them grace and favor and Lord, protection, and so, Father, bless them, bless their congregations as they worship you in spirit and in truth. And, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul and a bonds, servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which is according with godliness. We're going to actually get to the intro in verse 4 because that's, who it is about, it is about Titus, but please note with me here that Paul says a bondservant, a doulos of God. Notice that he is a doulos before he is an apostle. Please note that somewhere in your Bible that he makes mention of that. Now, that's important to us how you say. Well, you need to understand what a bondservant was, what a slave was. Again, this denotes the low slave. It was the one who was, who decided that living in his master's house was better than anything else that he had had outside. And so they would take him to the city gate. They would take an awl, uh, a really sharp, pointy object, they would put his ear to the gate of the city, take an awl, and ram it through. No gentle piercings like today, sanitary, you no, know, right into the wood. And then they would put an earring on there, and that you would know that from that point on, that was a doulos. He was a bondservant, better translated, slave. He says that before he is an apostle, his life is to God. What I, I just encourage everyone tonight to know that before you are anything else, you're a servant of God. Before you're anything else as a pastor, a mom, a business owner, a lawyer, a whatever you are, before you are anything else, hopefully you are a servant of God. And what does that mean? That means that it is better to be in the house of the Lord than anything else and that he is a good, good father, and he knows what's best for me, and he will, as we will see, not only take care of us, but he has given us hope of eternal life. And so he is a doulos of God. Notice an apostle of Jesus Christ sent out one, and a specific role that he had as an apostle. Notice according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. This is according to the faith of God's elect. This is, as he will tell us, promised in verse 2, before time began. This is God's program that he has set forth, and it is not only the faith, but it is also the truth in verse 1, according to godliness or uh, goodness. Notice with me, he says, in hope. Eternal life. Now, as Paul, as we'll get into our intro here in a minute, Paul is writing this while he is in prison. (laughs) How many of you write really happy, perky messages from prison? Maybe not so, but Paul, who has spent a while in prison, I, I need to remember that because if I ever have an unfortunate uh, time of prison ministry that I need to remember to read the prison epistles of Paul as encouragement, but he says, while he is sitting in jail, uh, he also wrote 1 Timothy at this same time, he says, in hope of eternal life, which is in God. He is in the worst place that he could possibly think of, which is in a Roman dungeon a Roman jail and yet he looks beyond that I want you to focus on that tonight as we are living in a time that seems totally crazy and and just bonkers that this is not the world in which we thought we were living in did anyone sign up for 2020 I want my money back it's a crazy time and so was Paul's day as well Again, he was under persecution. And he says, in hope of eternal life, which God, notice, please circle under the, underline the word or the phrase, who cannot lie. God can't lie. He can't do something that we readily do as human beings. He can't do that. So if God can't lie, that means he has promised us eternal life through his son, notice, he promised this before time began. Uh, the Bible in multiple places tells us that all of this was set out before the foundations of the world and that God through his son would pay the payment for our sin. God knew that. You, now, You might ask yourself, why in the world did he do all of that? Why not make us robots? Why not just take away our free will? How many of you... Uh, that are married would like your spouse to have their free will taken away. Now, some of you might think to yourself that could be an improvement, <laughs> but think about that. That's not a relationship. That's being programmed to say "I love you" when they don't. "I love you," when they don't mean that. Again, love is an action word in the Bible. It's not a feeling. So stop feeling and <laughs> stop feeling and do. Do more action. I was trying to get my English right there. It wasn't working. It wasn't coming together. (laughs) Do, don't say, action. Aren't we glad that Jesus said, "Hey, listen, trust me. I love you." No, He showed us His love upon the cross while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. That's His love. And so, but in verse three but has in due time revealed or manifested his word, please note with me, through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. So in due time, it was the right time for God to reveal his word. Now, uh, at this point, we already have the Old Testament. It is not only completed in Hebrew, but it is completed in Greek. It is the Greek Septuagint. Why is that important? Because the major language of the day is Greek. So, in due time, and the Bible talks about this in several locations, that it was the right time. What was the right time? Well, you had the Roman Empire that had created roads and commerce and shipping. And for the most part, Pax Romana, there was a stable although violent world, it was stable. It was somewhat peaceful. But because uh, people were able to travel from the distances, uh, God in due time, in the right time, brought it and understand it for themselves. So I also believe that that is why uh, when the King James Bible came out and those men worked tirelessly on it, that it too was inspired because I happen to believe that God knew that English would be the dominant language in the end of the age. And so that is why we also have uh, the English Bible. Notice with me that his word is preached. How will they hear without a preacher, the Bible tells us. So the best way for people to hear is through preaching or to herald the good news, notice, which was committed to me, Paul, according to the commandment of God, our Savior. Paul was commanded by Jesus Christ to bring this message to the Gentiles. And then, verse 4, we, we get to his name. To Titus, a true son, in our common faith, grace and mercy, and peace from God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we do that, I want to get into the actual reason why Paul is writing this. In fact, he says, for this reason, in verse 5, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things which are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded. So now we have the orders from Paul, from the commander. But who is this Timothy? Timothy. We have to piece together his biography from different references. And I'm reading from commentaries here, guys who have spent a lot to, a lot more time than, than I have uh, researching Titus. So let me just read to you through this. He's referenced uh, in Galatians chapter 2 verse 3, yet not even Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised um, and then over in Hold on, let me scroll down. In 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 7, um, and also in 2 Corinthians 8 and in 2 Corinthians 12, all these times where Titus is mentioned. But Titus became a test case for the controversy that had been brewing around the Acts 15 Council. And just as a brief understanding of what that was, we had the Judaizers, those who had come to Christ being a Jew, but said, listen, in order to be a Christian, you really should be a Jew first, then you're a Christian. So we're adding the Old Testament and the New Testament. You got to keep the dietary laws. You got to be circumcised. You got to keep the feast. And they came together and they had this Acts 15 council. You know why it's called the Acts 15 council? Because it's in the book of Acts chapter 15. I don't want to be the smart one in the room there, but... Go ahead and read it for yourself. And in that section, Peter stands up and says, I know you hear me say this all, this all the time. I said it on Sunday. Why should we put a yoke of bondage on them, the Gentiles, that we nor our forefathers could keep? And so they decided that they would not eat anything strangled to uh, and drink the blood. Uh, you didn't need to tell me that. I would have been okay with that. And to... To flee sexual immorality, which were Greek problems, the two things that they mentioned were Greek problems, and they were also towards their pagan gods. And so, the Acts fifteen council was: we're not going to make them Jewish. We're not going to tell them they have to be Jewish in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I get a great big Amen, Gentiles? Amen. Amen. Isn't that good news? So that has stayed well. You know, the, those Judaizers, those legalistic... How many of you have ever come in contact with a legalistic person and then you showed them God's word and then they just back down right there? That doesn't happen. They continue and they continue and Paul, through his entire life, he dealt with, Timothy dealt with, Titus dealt with, Luke dealt with, they all dealt with these Judaizers. So Titus became this test case In this controversy, Paul and Barnabas took him to Jerusalem for this conference, this Acts 15, and they said to him that, well, he doesn't have to be circumcised and he certainly doesn't have to go through the law. So, Paul later joined, I'm sorry, Titus later, later uh, joins Paul in Macedonia and Paul was overjoyed to hear about the Corinthians that came through Titus. Titus had given the report and at some point, Titus is left in Crete and with these orders. Paul had been there and so it had preached the gospel and so now he has this important task for Titus, Please note with me in verse 4 the description of Titus. He says, a true son. Now, we've heard that before. He, he talks to Timothy about that. It would seem that Timothy and Titus were the, the ones that Paul was pouring himself in the most. And it would seem that Titus and Timothy become those early leaders after the apostle Paul goes home to be with the Lord and so he calls him a true son because Paul did not have uh, a son notice in our common faith and then he says because he knows Timothy uh, Timothy and Titus are both pastors he says the exact same thing to both of them grace <laughs> you're going to need grace as a pastor but you're really going to need mercy and he adds that mercy in other letters Paul says grace and peace but to the pastors, he always, and I'm thankful that he always adds the mercy in there because, yes, grace, but mercy uh, as you serve as a leader in the church. Grace, mercy, notice, and peace from God the Father and notice of our Lord Jesus, our Savior. In verse 5, he tells us now as we go through, and he he just wide open here he says for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you now this is a tall order did you read that verse it said every city it's a pretty big island now as we will see Crete the Cretans have a reputation Um, we'll get into that a little bit but he says for this reason I left you He is handing over all authority to Titus to accomplish certain tasks on this island of Crete. And so this was not a small job. This was a big job. The church needed order and it needed leadership. It was great that Paul came to the island on a whirlwind of Billy Graham evangelistic outreach crusades, right? It was wonderful. But what happens when they do get saved? The problem often happens is if you don't get them plugged into a local church, then they will flounder. Paul knew that. Paul knew the importance of discipleship and getting these people together. So he said the church needed order and it needed leadership. Titus was commanded to set in order the churches and to do it by appointing godly leadership, and he will give the same qualifications that he gave Timothy in 1 Timothy. The phrase here, to set in order, this is uh, from Worsby's commentary. It's wonderful. It's a medical term. It is applying to set something crooked in order. So a doctor who has a limb that is crooked or that is broke. They would set it back, set it in order so that it would be able to heal. So Paul is saying there were crooked things that had to be straightened out among the congregations of Crete. And Crete, as we will see, is a very interesting place and an interesting island. But know with me that he says, I want you to appoint elders. And yes, it actually means elders, but it also means Uh, not just elders, but leaders and pastors. So Paul needs to get this authority going. These elders were not to be chosen by popular vote. Please note with me, nothing in here about congregational vote. How many of you have ever come from a congregational vote where they voted on the leaders, uh, the elders or the deacons? Uh, Paul doesn't know anything about that. He knows about setting appointments to, the, uh, to those positions. Again, these elders were not chosen by popular vote, and they were not chosen by their own self-promotion. It was Titus's job to look for men of the kind of character that Paul will go on to describe. And so he tells Titus, you need to appoint these men. You need to find these godly men, and you need to appoint them. Don't get the congregational's point of view about them. You have to do your own work. I will tell you, this is a very tough job for every pastor. Now, it doesn't happen that way. A lot of times, people and congregations vote for that. Well, how do they know the the, the character and the qualifications <laughs> even if they don't even read their Bible. We, we've got a full order here. So as a pastor, as a leader, I will tell you inside of our church of Calvary Chapel on Myrtle Beach, our elders and our deacons as we meet, we are always thinking and looking towards other men in the fellowship. Are these qualifications being met? Are there? Are, are they going towards this path that, that maybe they might be a leader? And so we... We watch them, we examine them, uh, and then later on we appoint them. He says that you should set in order the things which are lacking. So the thing that is lacking is godly male leadership. We're going to get into the order of things that's coming. This is how God has set forth His church. If you want to have your own church with your own name and your own God and appoint whoever you think, then you could do that. But the biblical order, the biblical appointing is that which God says here, and we will see that. So verse 6, starting out the qualifications. If a man is blameless, well, that just took everybody off the list, doesn't it? <laughs> You might as well have a good night. <laughs> that's it. Now we'll get to what that word means. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, you know, you're thinking yourself, that's great, but back then they didn't just have one wife. We'll get into that. Having faithful children, that just ruins it for everyone else, not a <laughs> not accused of dispensation or insubordination. So this list that follows in uh, as, as Paul is, Uh, commanding young Titus. Remember, it's it's pretty much the same over there in 1 Timothy as well. Leaders should not be chosen at random or just because they volunteer or because they aspire to that position or even because they are natural leaders. Leaders should be chosen because they match the qualifications listed here. (laughs) It's fine if a man thinks he's called yet he must be as well qualified and God's very particular about who he wants to be. A lot of churches pick the wealthy guy to be in that position or the guy with the great hair or the the, the guy that's a a smooth talker or they, they choose all the wrong reasons for a leader. Paul makes it very clear. Again, the qualifications for leadership And the following passages have nothing to do with giftedness. Paul didn't say, Titus, find the most most gifted guy or the most talented guy. We might say that it's easy for the Lord to grant gifts by the Holy Spirit as He wills, but developing, as we will see, character, because we'll see character is at the heart of this list, is spending real time in real relationship and that is why the Bible says, do not lay hands on anybody too soon because they need that time to develop character as they walk with Jesus Christ. He says, if a man is blameless, the word literally means nothing to take hold of or upon. That means nothing sticks to them. There must be... And he threw it against the wall slime. Was that it? Or the, whatever. It, it was something that you threw against the wall and then it made on a, a mark on the wall and then you got hollered at because you made a mark on the wall, right? But they didn't say that on the little package. Don't throw against the wall because your dad will holler at you. That, that should have been the warning in big red, amen, red letters. It wasn't there. It threw it. This is the idea that if someone throws an accusation out, it doesn't stick to them. That's what the word means. Also, this is a no-brainer, but the husband of one wife in 2020, no-brainer. Not in 62 AD because the Roman Empire taught that four wives was the normal. Four wives. So you've got people who three to four wives, that, that was normal. Islam, four wives today. Now, we won't even go there. I just want to continue. Could be bad, could be bad. We're just going to continue. Now, think about that. They're pagans and they get saved. I want to know what they did back then when a guy did have three or four wives. What happened then? (laughs) That's a heavy counseling session right there. Uh, We'll let Matt, oh, we'll let Pat do that counseling session. I think he's more qualified for the. Woo, I don't even want to have that conversation. They get saved, but think about that. They get saved in the Roman world with paganism, with all of this stuff, and now they come into the church and they need to be taught right. Just like today, people are bringing all kinds of baggage inside of the church, and as we will see, they need to be taught right. They're coming in with evolutionary thought. How does that fit in with creation? Well, we'll see. We remove the brainwashed evolution and we put in the six-day creation that God has set forth in Genesis. But he is to be a husband of one wife. Now, that does not mean that if his wife dies, he can't be a leader. It means a a one-woman-at-a-time man. Does that make sense? So if his wife did die, he was able to remarry. He just got one wife at a time. Notice, having faithful children. Now, before you think, well, that blew it. I can never be a leader. It means as you're raising them in the faith that you are doing the very best that you possibly can because at the end of the day, our children are free moral agents just like you. What does that mean? At some point, they have the choice whether or not they're going to choose God or not. The hardest thing is watching your child get into those 18, 19, 20 period and make really dumb mistakes that we all made during those times. And we wish, I don't know about you, but I would have stayed following the Lord during those times. But they still have to make the decisions. Guys, I came back. (laughs) I know this is... You have no idea what my life was like in in my 20s. It was crazy. People were praying for me. And yet, because I was taught right, and because I went to a Calvary Chapel when I was in my youth, uh, and in my teenage years, I, I was given a great foundation. Man, and it was hard to sin out there. It was hard to sin. I worked at a bar. I know that's shocking. (laughs) Actually, I was a DJ in a bar. That's even more, that's right, rock and run. Uh, And I had this bartender one time, newly, uh, now your whole image of me is shot. I'm sorry. Everybody's just going right to the worst. And there was this bartender, I can't even remember the guy's name, but after, and it was terrible. Terrible. The the environment I was in in that bar around the people, the drinking, everything was bad. It was terrible. And yet this bartender at the end of the night, and I don't, I don't want to go too much into sin because the Bible says to be light about it. But at the end when the bar closed, usually we would go to the only thing that was open 24 hours, and that was Denny's. That's right. You get a mint forgetting that. So we were there in the booth talking as we were eating, and I don't know how it came about, but we started to talk about the Bible. And, it, and God was starting to do a work right there with this bartender who was just as lost as I was at the time, but the two of us coming together. And I will tell you, I remember going home that night and calling my brother who had been asking me all the time to come back to church. Hey, come to church. No, I'm not going to church. And I told him exactly what had happened. And that was the start of me coming back. It can happen. But it can only happen if you have a faithfulness to set the foundation right with your children so that they have somewhere to come back to and they have a parent or parents that they can come back to that will love on them even though they have made really, really bad choices. But you're there because aren't you glad that's exactly what our Heavenly Father does for us? So if He did it for us, we do it. Now, I'm not saying that you, you have to like what they're doing or approve of what they're doing. That's not what we're saying at all. We're just saying that having faithful or a faithfulness to teach our children. Notice, and not being insubordinate, that means out of line. You don't want a guy in leadership that is always out of line, and you have to bring him back in. I'll, no show of hands, maybe you went to a church, and you knew the elder or that deacon, and he was just a little off all the time, and everyone would say, oh, that's just Bill. Sorry, Bill. Oh, that's just Dave. That's just how Dave is. That's not how Dave should be. Amen. We got a list. And if Dave isn't that way, if he's insubordinate, you've got to pull him out. It's for the health of the body of Christ. Notice for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. That means he's taking care of that which God has given him. And that which God has given him is that local church. Note, notice with me not self willed, it's not about him but we live in a time when we have cult of personality pastors. It becomes all about them, all about their ministry. It's all about their name. Oh, Not quick-tempered. That means um, slow, as the Bible describes God in the Old Testament, slow to anger. Now, it's important because anger is still important. An important thing. We we often think, well, anger is bad. No, Jesus got really ticked off. He got really upset. And there is times when that needs to happen. I think anger right now needs to well up inside of the church at the oppression of our government, of the lies of the government. Oh, I don't have the time tonight. I think the church has been too silent for too long. They are not willing to stand up. Guys, at this time, death was on the line as a follower of Jesus. What's the worst thing that we have today? Oh, you can't go to church. Well, watch us. A servant of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, and that's exactly what it means. It means that as a fellowship, our church has a requirement for the, for the elders of the church not to be given to wine. You, you do not need to call us in the middle of a night when your life is crashing all around you and we can't come to you because we had a few that night. You don't need that. You need a sober-minded, and, and it actually means sober-minded, actually that as well. Not given to wine not violent. You don't want your pastor beating up on people all the time, right? You don't need that. But again, sometimes that righteous anger, not greedy for money. Shockingly, isn't it? Watch the American gospel. It's a new documentary and you'll see that apparently that that section of scripture has been erased from some people's Bible. Not greedy for money. They think that the church is only there to serve them and their needs. <sighs> I just watched it. I, I want to go off, but I won't. I want to continue. Being hospitable means taking care of people when it needs and there is needs that arise. A lover of what's good. Is that shocking that that's the list? lover of what's good, we will hopefully, I don't know, we'll see how far we get tonight, we're going to see that this letter is right for this time in which we are living in. It goes on to describe exactly where we are. I I think this describes exactly where we are as well because there are people who are not lovers of what is good. They're not sober-minded. Paul says you need to be, have a clear head. That doesn't mean you don't have a sense of humor. It just means you know when to be serious and when not to. Just, justice, on Sunday morning, Jesus said, you Pharisees, you miss justice and love. He makes sure that's on the list. Holy, that means set apart for the purposes of God. And then self-controlled. Again, you don't want them flying off the handle. Verse 9. Holding fast to the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince those who contradict. Oh, we're going to have fun in a little bit here. Holding fast to the... Notice, it's the faithful word. This means that the leader will stick to God's word. It's sad that I have to make mention of that today. The pastor's job, the leader's job is not to bow to the cancel culture that we live in or to the relevancy of the culture or the fad of the culture or the you the pc culture or you just name whatever the pastor's job is to stick with the faithful word if a man will not first stick to the word and will not then stick with the word of god he is not qualified to be a leader in the church it, I post to you this. I am not adding to scripture. If he does not teach the Bible, he is not qualified to be a pastor. If he gives you less than a scripture, throw the throw the guys out. This is an important thing in the day in which we're living in. What is going to encourage people in 2020 is not stories or. Or dramas, or rock and roll, or anything like that. Or we have become a fifteen-minute YouTube society. I need to get everything in my fifteen-minute YouTube clip, and and I I expect to go to church that way. I expect to to get wowed and the imagery and all that. But the Bible knows nothing of that. It says, "No, the leaders of the church need to hold fast." to the word of God. Notice with me that he says, as he has been taught. This means that the leader has been under the teaching of somebody else. I am thankful that I sat under my pastor for not only six years, but I will tell you, I have sat under Pastor Chuck, Pastor Joe Foch, Pastor Damian Kyle for 24 years. I listened to these men. These men are my mentors. I also am being taught. A a godly leader needs to be taught. He doesn't need to go to Bible college or seminary, or that could help, but he doesn't have to. They need to be taught and discipled by somebody else, not just themselves. Hold fast, he says. Remember, they're off. And then those who contradict. you got to have a reason and a hope that lies within you. You've got to be able to know what you believe. Know who you believe and know why you believe. Do you know who you believe? Do you know why you believe? Do you know the basic doctrines so that when someone comes and says X, Y, and Z to you that you're able to uh, have a discussion with them? He says... Verse 10. Hmm. I'm just looking at the clock and thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm not going to get through it. Let's stop there. This leader that Paul is calling is somebody that has been sitting in church. That has been faithfully serving, that the leader, the pastor, has been looking at their life, examining in their life. Again, they don't have to be perfect. There is no one perfect. There's no one good. No, not one. Jesus said that. But there is somebody that rules well. That means his house and his affairs. He is the husband of one wife. He is sticking and holding fast to the word of God. He is not insubordinate. We'll get into that. Because Paul will address those problem people inside of the Cretian church. He will go on to say, man, even one of your pagans says how bad it is in Crete. Well, read ahead the, the, the last of this chapter and we'll get into a little bit of chapter 2 for next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. We thank you for your servant, Paul, who wrote to Timothy as well as to young Titus and as to Philemon as well. And we thank you for these these pastoral epistles that help us understand what to do and what not to do, what the qualifications that you have for leaders inside of the body of Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you that you have given us the heart to seek after that man. And so, Lord, we thank you for a time to come together. We, we never want to take that for granted, meeting as the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we do pray for our brothers and sisters again around this country, especially in California, that you would strengthen them, Lord, as they disobey a direct order from their governor. But Lord, they have determined that they will worship in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, and give them strength. Thank you for our night in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We'll worship this last song. The Lord bless you, and we will see you on Sunday morning. Let's worship the Lord.